but slightly off the beat until she saw her problem with a can of over tea. She drank a couple most every night and ooh how she would dream until something rough got in the stuff and made her neighbors scream. Who put the bands of dream in Mrs. Murphy's old teeth? She was ashamed, don't know who's to blame, cause the old lady didn't even get his name. Where did she get that stuff? Now she just can't get enough. It might have been the man who wasn't bad. Now Jack, that guy's a square. She never ever wants to go to sleep. She said that everything is silent all real. Now, Mr. Murphy don't know what it's all about. Cause she went and threw the old man out. Clout, who put Ben's dream in Mrs. Murphy's oval team. Now she wants to swing. The island fling says that Ben's dream's the thing that makes her spring. Ah, spring it now, Gibson. Mm-hmm. This is the second cause, you know. Name this cause is called. Who put the nemutals in Mr. Murphy's overalls? In case that she'd run low She never, never been so happy Since she left old Ireland Till someone prowled her pantry Sure and tampered with her can Wham! Who put the bends of dream In Mrs. Murphy's old team? Sure was ashamed of those to blame Cause the old lady didn't even get his name Where did she get that stuff? Now she just can't get enough It might have been the man who wasn't fair Now Jack, that guy's a square She stays up nights making all around They say she lost about 69 pounds Now Mr. Murphy claims she's getting awful thin And all she says is give me some skin Mop, who put the bends dream In Mrs. Murphy's old team Now she wants to swing the highland fling She says the bends And you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard right there from 1944, who put the Benzedrine in Mrs. Murphy's Oval Tine. From 1944, vocal by Harry the Hipster Gibson. And that is from a record called Reefer Songs, put out by Stash Records in 1976. And probably on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, we're going to hear a couple more selections from this record, Reefer Songs. But again, you just heard who put the Benzedrine in Mrs. Murphy's Ovaltine. 
Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, we are going to have an interview with Rich Chega from Indonesia. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, Rich Chega. Right now, to get you in the mood for Rich Chiga, here is some Vancouver Whitecaps from 
ever met that funny reaper man? Have you ever met that funny reaper man? Oh, he trades your dimes for nickels and he calls watermelon pickles. Yeah, I'm talking about the reaper man. Did you ever meet that little old reaper man? Did you ever meet that little old reaper man? If he takes a sudden mania and he wants to give you Pennsylvania, I'm still talking about the reaper man. Have you ever met that little old reaper man? Ever met that funny little reaper man? If he sells Wall Street, is frantic, and because he won't sell on the Atlantic. Oh, that's that reaper man.
The streams are as pure as the snow. It's the land of make-believe, where you can live your every dream. North Carolina.
and you're still listening to the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there the theme music from the Ontario Pavilion at Expo 67, a place to stand. And before that, in honor of J. Cole coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Tuesday, a North Carolina tune by the Rhodes Brothers from 74. And before that, from 1932, Reefer Man. And before that, to begin the set, the Vancouver Whitecaps, this time from 1983. Coming up, an interview with Rich Chiga from Indonesia. And to get you in the mood for Rich Chiga from Indonesia, we thought we would play a little bit of the Shark Move. Yes, the band Shark Move doing Evil War. And this is Indonesian funk at its, well, you can decide. Indonesian funk from the 1970s. This is Shark Move with Evil War. And then right after that, an interview with Rich Chica on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show.
who are you? I'm Brian Emanuel, as known as Rich Chigga. Rich Chigga, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you very much, Nardor. And right off the bat, Brian, I have a gift for you, something that started it all. Oh, wow, this is amazing. Can I, wow. Well, a keychain? A keychain uh, of a Rubik's Cube, yes. I used to uh, play the Rubik's Cube when I was younger, and uh, that's actually kind of how I started learning English, too, by watching Rubik's Cube tutorials. And I would go to Rubik's Cube competitions when I was like 11 or something like that, and actually won first place one time, and I got, and I got like $100. So that was nice. You were also 20th, too, in the Jakarta Open. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was 20th. Uh, what was that like, the FX Mall? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was, uh, so basically, it's an international competition held in Jakarta, and I was 20. And I was 20th on that, and my dad kept telling everyone that I was, like, the the number 20 Rubik's Cube player in the world. So, and I kept telling him that, no, that's not how it works. And then he's like, trust me, that's how it works. So that's what happened. But so how are you doing with the keychain? Have you seen a keychain before? I have, actually. Yeah, yeah, I had one. I had one like this back then, So, but I lost it, so I'm really happy that you gave me one. Thank you. Well, I wanted to test you a bit, Rich Chiga. I wanted to test you. What is this Rubik's Cube? I have, I've never had this before, actually, but I, um, the things that I had was like... What is that? I've never seen something. I've ne I don't even know what this is because like, I kind of stopped when I was like 11. I kind of started making, YouTube, like, making videos instead. And so I kind of stopped a little early, but uh, the things that I had back then would be like a, a pyraminx, a square one, or yeah, just things like that. But I have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah. And you used to be a clothing model. I used to be uh, a clothing model. Yeah, when I was a. Uh, when and I you still are. Ah. Uh, with your brother's brand. Oh, that's true. Shout out my brother's brand, CBC Goods. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I used to be a little like a model when I was a kid for uh, for like a child clothing brand and I did a, a little photo shoot. Malati. Oh, wait. Oh, my. Your sister, Sonia. <laughs> Malati. Yep. She was a big star. She was a big Explain, star. Malati, your sister. <laughs> um, okay, my sister, she was, the, you know, she was the first one in my family. She started singing when she was about, when she was three years old. And um, my parent, my family moved to Jakarta, and my sister became this this singer. And then she was kind of the first one in the family to start in the in the entertainment business. So that's kind of like that had an influence on me too. How big was she? She was pretty big. Yeah, she was huge. She was are there videos on YouTube of your sister singing? There are videos on YouTube of my sister singing. That's what are they titled? They're titled Sonia Erica. You just gotta look that up. That's her name, and you will find everything. And I have a gift for your sister, some Indonesian pop nostalgia. Ah, wow. Yeah, I don't... Some Indonesian pop folk children's song. Wow, she would... Uh, do you think she's on this? Uh, no, she isn't, because that's really old. Ah. That is 1970s oh, right, and 80s. Right, right, right. What year was she? She was born in 94, I think. Yeah, yeah, So, um... But that is for your sister. Got to continue on in Malati. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Thank now, right now, she is a fashion blogger? She is a fashion blogger, yes. So no more singing? Nah. No she's more duets with Rich Chiga? She's doing the hook? <laughs> she still sings a little bit. Uh, I used to actually take pictures for her for her fashion blogger uh, thing. Like uh, when I was like 12 or something like that, I would, you know, she would be like, hey, can you take pictures for me today? And I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't, I really don't want to do this. But then that kind of, you know, taking pictures kind of also led me into doing cinematography and like making videos and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Rich check out Brian, your dad ran a cafe? Yes, it was uh, my dad and my mom. Yeah, it's my dad and my mom. It's called Ninoshka. And your dad gave you a bucket of human shit? Wait, <laughs> where did you get this one? I, I, don't, I don't think that happened. You said your dad gave you some human shit. What? Where, where did I say that? You said it, Rich Chica. Does everything Rich Chica say mean something? I... Oh, no, no. I might have been joking about that one. <laughs> I have a gift for your dad right here. A gangster ring. Oh, my God. What is it? Oh, yeah, he would love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your dad is into rings, right? He's into rings. That's right. Wow, this is amazing. Are these, are these real diamonds? Yes, they are real diamonds. The gangster ring for your dad. Yeah, he would love this. Yeah, he would. Does he have anything like that? He does not have anything like this. No, because he's not a gangster. He's going to love this very much. Thank you very much. Rich Chica, Brian, what broke you? Was it a rapper's react video? It was um, It was originally from, you, you know, just, I, I did Twitter for a while. And, you know, my plan has always been to kind of build a following over there. And then, you know, I, I knew I was going to, like, make YouTube videos. Come on, give some props to 88 and Rising, the higher brothers. Yes, 88 Rising. Yes, I love them very much. They're my manager. Like, my manager owns that, and, um, yeah, we all just work together. They're very amazing people. Shout out to them. And the governor of Jakarta reacted to you? Yes, they did. They and did. now he's in jail for blasphemy? Yeah, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of sad. He's, he's, he's in jail for, like, two years. It's, it's a very sad time, but, yeah. Is it time for you to retire? No. Yes, it is. Why is that? Because Sai retweeted you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, you knew about that, huh? How did you know about that? Well, you are Rich Chica. We have to know. Well, you are John. I have to know. Yeah, that's right. Baboom. <laughs> Baboom. <laughs> Tell me about that. Sai. Sai, what about him? Him retweeting you. Like, did you get to meet him? He retweeted you. That is amazing, isn't it? Sai. Yeah, Sai. Yeah, I did. I've never met him. I don't know. I, I, I really would love to because I'm very curious about what kind of person he is in real life. Is anybody mad, Rich Chica, that you don't sing in Indonesian? Yes, some people are mad, yeah. Yeah. How do you address them? How do I address them? Um, I think it's mostly because, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that good at, you know, writing in Indonesian. That's kind of the, one of the reasons. And then I just, I just feel like I can express myself better in English, too, because there's just some stuff that I can say in English that I can't say in Indonesian. Like, the most, you know, kind of messed up, kind of sad example is, like, you can't tell your parents or your family that you love them because love in Indonesian is strictly romantic and yeah but that's kind of why yeah your songs are so short it is um it's not intentional my my unreleased ones are a little longer that's also not intentional but yeah my songs are short because simply I back then I did not know how song arrangements work and I was just kind of going with it kind of like you know I just I just wanted to you know make what sounds good and that's it that's all I had on my mind who was your friend that introduced you to Macklemore? It was Noah, Noah McGrath. How did you meet him? It was on Where is he now? He is now in Portland. He's my first American friend ever, actually. Yeah. And it was on Twitter? It was on Twitter. What did the tweet go like? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Rich Chiga, do you have a goat? I, um, well, the thing is with my neighbor, is uh like with my no my neighborhood it's like there's stray goats everywhere and they someone owns it someone has a farm just full of goats and um and they 
but at, at daytime they just let them loose but then at nighttime they all come back so it's like in daytime the whole neighborhood is just filled with goats walking around so it's it's kind of like they're all mine basically but peer pressure you tried to sell the goat some weed Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag peer pressure. Hashtag peer pressure. Yeah, the goat was not very happy about that. Uh, Rich Chica, I was thinking, like, Indonesia has amazing music from the 70s. Right, yeah, I, uh, yeah. And I thought I would give you a gift for you to sample some Indonesian psychedelic rock from the 70s. Wow, I did not even know this existed. This picture looks like it's taken in 2017 or something. This is really... Wow. Indonesian funk from 70 to 78. Thank you. How, how did you get all this? This is amazing. Thank you so much. Wow. And this band on their shark move, you got to sample the drums. Oh, yeah? It's, it's really good? Oh, it's amazing. Okay. What do you know about the roots of Indonesian funk? Like, what do you know? There are so many, many incredible bands, aren't there? I've never even heard that. I've never even heard of Indonesian psychedelic bands. That's so crazy. Yeah, I did, I, I did not know they existed at all. What do you think about the Rich Chica parodies, like Hank Baga versus Rich Chica? What is that? That was uh, that was that was pretty funny. The dude looks so much like me because he's like he's so old. But I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, he, he's just like a you know, he's like in his thirties or some shit. But he looks just like I feel like I'm gonna look like that when I get older. Are people coming to shows dressed as you? Yes. How do they look? Like me. How do you look? Great. Baboom, no. How do they come dressed up? Uh, in, the, in the pink, it's either the pink polo or the turtleneck, yeah. Are you really excited by that? I'm very excited by that, it's amazing. Because that's like, the whole thing was like such a last minute decision. The, 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 and the fact that people really love it and people are dressing up as me and to like Halloween parties too, it's like really, it's really amazing, yeah. Quote Rich Chickam, if I ever came to America, 21 Savage would probably shoot the shit out of me. He did not do that. I met him. You met him. I we didn't we didn't have a actual conversation, but the, it's a pretty funny thing that happened. I was in Rolling Loud, and then it was kind of like almost ending. And then you know he like he 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 always kind of rolls around with like a big crew like of twenty people or something like that. And he's like very tall, and you know at the during the end of Rolling Loud at night they had all these fireworks. And then I knew I I, I read somewhere that he was um. He actually, I think he had PTSD or something like that. And then I saw that happen, like all the loud fireworks happening. And then he's like walking with his crew. And then he kind of looks back and then keeps walking. And that was like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. What about Matty B? <laughs> what about him? <laughs> did you meet him? I wish I did. I used to I used to hate him so much, but now I, I accept him for what he is. And you saw Walmart. I saw Walmart, yes, for the first time. And I bought deodorant. Rich Chigam. Quote, and I don't give a fuck. Hit them with the damn dicks. Have you signed any? What is that? Have you signed any? Um, what? <laughs> I'm so confused. Um, and I don't give a fuck. Hit them with the damn dicks. Have you signed any? Oh, right. Oh, right. I thought you were trying to get me to continue the set. No, I, I wish I'd. Uh, no, hopefully tonight there will be some dicks for me to sign. What about fried banana with chili, Rich Jigga? I eat fried bananas, but not. I've never heard chili with it. 
that's a kind of delicacy from Indonesia. No, no, no. I think you're thinking. I think it's because uh, the whole thing is like a it's like a whole category of foods because there's fried bananas and then there's fried uh, cassava and everything. But they the fried bananas is kind of like the dessert part. The other part is like the savory. They have the chilies with that, but they they don't have it with the banana. But yes, I'm glad that you know about that. It's amazing. You filmed also though in a suicide forest in Japan, did you? I did. How did you know about that? How do you know it was suicide forest? That's amazing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was you're a rich chick. Yeah, we have to know. That's right. Thank you very much. That was who that be. Yes. The suicide forest. Could you explain for people that don't know? So what happened is, so this is how it works. Suicide forest. What happens there is people go there because it's very peaceful, and they go there to kill themselves. Doesn't sound very fucking peaceful now, right? But like, the thing is, when you get in there, you know, you hear all the cars and all that stuff, and you know, like you hear the, the the crickets and everything like that, and but then you. You go on for like, for like two more minutes, and all of a sudden it's quiet. And I don't know why, but like, and also what happens is if you bring a compass, if you go deep enough, the compass starts kind of like spinning around like that because the magnetic energy is just so crazy. And yeah, but yeah, that's how it is. Did you see any? No, I've never seen any anything like that in my whole life, and I'm very happy. In a forest? No, thank God, no. Or any bones? No, no, thank God, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. I saw um. I saw a, a Japanese family walk by, like yeah, a Japanese family walk by, and then uh, the kid was like, "Are you Richard?" And I'm like, "Yes, how are you doing?" In a suicide forest. In a suicide forest, yeah, yeah. You also love watching videos of old people vaping. I do. Yes. Shout out Dan Vapes. Dan Vape. Can you explain about that? Um, well, I mean, it's just this dude, man. It's on YouTube. This old, like, uh, he's like about forty years old. He has a, like, he's, he has like uh, two sons or something like that. And then he just reviews vape stuff on YouTube in his car. And I, I feel like it's when I have nothing to do, I just watch that. And there was a time in my life where I had a whole week of nothing to do, and I was just watching that every day. And I was really happy and content. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rich Chica, for speaking to me, Narduar, the human serviette. I would also like to say thank you, Dumbfounded. Yes, thank you, Dumbfounded, for introducing me to Sean, my manager now, and the owner, I mean, the, the CEO of uh, Idiot Rising. And we, and I am forever grateful for Dumbfounded for following me on Twitter about two years ago. I love you. Anything you want to add to the people out there at all, Rich Chica? <coughs> Why should people care about Rich Chica? Why should people care? I mean, if people don't care about me, that's totally fine too. I don't really, I don't really mind. It's really up to them. So I mean, I, they shouldn't care about me. You know, it's not a mandatory thing to do. You should care about your life, and you should care about what you do. You know, your family. You know, you should, you should spend more time with them instead of worrying about me. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Well, thank you very much, Rich Chiga. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Do do.
And you're still listening, hopefully, to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you just heard right there, Ira Mava Sofa with Bua Mangus, a 1970s or 80s Indonesian pop song from the record I think probably 1980s, Indonesian pop nostalgia. And then, before that, from Jakarta, Indonesia, an interview with Rich Chiga. And we began with Shark Move from Indonesia with Evil War. I thought right now, on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, I would play a couple records, a couple 45s of... Animal Noises. This is a 45 RPM wild animal calls from the world famous San Diego Zoo. And then I'm going to play Minor Bird Phrases. So get out your Minor Bird with Canaries are cute, but can they talk over and over again? Single phrases repeated over and over the record does the training. So let's see how much you can handle. Or maybe you can't handle it at all. Tune out now if you're scared of minor bird phrases. So here, live from the San Diego Zoo, is this record right here, Wild Animal Calls. This is the mating grunt of the giant tortoise. More in keeping with other reptiles at the San Diego Zoo, the giant tortoise also hisses. As does the monitor lizard. And the American alligator. Listen carefully again and at the end of this next fluttering hiss, you can hear the alligator's giant jaws snap shut. This is the sound a giant anteater makes when his tail is pulled. And this is the sound the capybara makes when he's pleased. And these are the sounds Ritz, the sea lion bull, makes all day long. Unlike these noisemakers at the main pool, the performers at the trained sea lion act in Wagaforth Bowl have mastered some remarkable imitations. Come on, Mickey, let's do a motorboat. A slow one, real slow motorboat. Come on. Let's do it again. Bears are normally quiet animals. This voice, however, belongs to Harry Shutup, the noisy little Eurasian brown bear cub who's always getting lost from mother. And this he keeps up till mom shows up to help him out, usually with a motherly lecture, as she does here. The sloth bear family that lives just up the road 
has an even noisier child. He sounds like this. The San Diego Zoo never sleeps. And if you spent the night in Dog and Cat Canyon against a background of chirping crickets, you might hear a lonely wolf's call. Or a hyena shouting at the darkness. And sometimes a full moon or a siren will start the entire canyon of animals calling. Wolves, coyotes, wild dogs, all join together in a wild chorus that sounds like this. Among the calls of the many birds at the San Diego Zoo, there's the near-human cry of the peacock. The shrieking call of the Saras crane. And the sharp, proud cry of the emblem of our country, the North American Bald Eagle. This is the ringing mating note of the bare-throated bellbird. And these are sulfur-crested and rose-crested cockatoos. much noisier than their bigger cousin, the great palm cockatoo. When Australia's laughing jackass bird, the kookaburra, winds up for his call, it sounds like an old jalopy trying to start. But the call is worth waiting for. It sounds like this. This toko toucan sounds like a chirping frog. And this strange thumping the emu generates in its breast sounds like nothing else in the world. Here is the unusual mating call of the fairy penguin. And this is the emperor penguin. And this, the Gentoo penguin. These are the whistles of the amazing talking minor bird of India. They conclude our visit in sound to the San Diego Zoo with this startling mimicry of human speech. Are you a minor bird? Huh? Are you a minor bird?
What's the matter, huh? Quiet. What's the matter, huh? Oh, I'm not. Goodbye. 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 Canaries are cute, but they can't talk. 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 Canaries are cute. Here are the calls and voices of the animals of the San Diego Zoo. Wild, musical, humorous, frightening, and fascinating. Of all those sounds, here are the most unforgettable. This is the call of a gibbon ape. And these are Siamang gibbons. And when the Siamangs join the gibbons and chimpanzees in an early morning communal zoo, it wakes everybody up. The screams of the chimpanzees start the wild chorus off. Among the less musical primates at the San Diego Zoo are these squalling guinea baboons, this drill, and these spider monkeys with their excited gossip. This is the crying of Roberta. The San Diego Children's Zoo's baby orangutan. Listen carefully, and in the background, you can hear the sympathetic whimpering of her friend, two-year-old Lucy Chimpanzee. Little gorillas cry, too. This is two-year-old Bila. <laughs> Also at the children's zoo, you might hear the complaints of a hungry baby camel. These baby deer fawns. 
or this baby tar goat who sounds much more like the fawn than he does his cousins, these baby domestic goats. Octavius, the Maasai lion cub, practices his meanest roars. And this is what dad sounds like. A grown male Maasai lion growls over his daily meal, a 15-pound chunk of raw meat. Listen closely and you can hear his huge teeth ripping through the meat. After feeding, lions sometimes enjoy a roaring session. At the end of this series of roars, a sharp ear can pick up the squeaky little roars of two new cubs as they try to imitate their parents. Listen. This is the fearsome growl of the Bengal tiger. This low warning growl belongs to the Sumatran tiger. A rare sound in captivity. The Sumatran tiger calls. This, with its peculiar inhalations, is the growl of the San Diego Zoo's rare snow leopard, Tibet the Second. And this is the purring of the puma, or mountain lion. A purring which he punctuates with this shrill cry. The black leopard. Notice the similarity between this growl and this growl which belongs not to a leopard or a member of the cat family at all, but to the Indian elephant. Here it is again. More famed is the elephant for its trumpeting. And yet, its roar is one of the loudest animal calls in the world. Here's another member of the pachyderm family. Listen as 4,000 pounds of hippopotamus surfaces in its pool and issues its call.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard side one of Wild Animal Calls. And you heard side two of Wild Animal Calls from the world-famous San Diego Zoo earlier. But in between, we played a minor bird record, minor bird phrases, single phrases repeated over and over and over Again, canaries are cute, but they can't talk. And right now, the complete LGI recordings of Honey Limited. Um, LHI recordings stands for Lee Hazelwood Industries. So we are going to hear right now from 1968, Lee Hazelwood Industries, the Honey Limited doing Louie Louie on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show.
Hello, I'm Bill Percy. I'm the author of Hersey's Short Course, Short Memory. If you'll glance at the jacket of this record, you'll have a chance to meet me face to face. I really feel as though I already know you. I know quite a bit about you, as a matter of fact. For one thing, you wouldn't have bought this record. You wouldn't be listening to it right now if you didn't have a better than average interest in improving your abilities. Certainly the ability to remember names and faces is one of the most valuable you can have. I know something else about you, too. By the time you've finished listening, studying, and practicing the material on this record, you'll have a flattering and rewarding memory for names and faces. I know you can do it. I'm confident you can do it because I learned this skill quickly when I was over 43 years old. I've taught it to hundreds of people. I use it to my advantage every day in my work as a salesman up and down Main Street. But let's get down to business. I'm long on practice and short on theory. There is one bit of theory I'm going to give you, and this is it. When you're learning to memorize something, you must first observe it and then associate it with something which is already in your mind. This first step of observation we'll practice right now if you'll pick up the record jacket and look at the first of the 12 pictures. Observe this picture. Observe this face, just as if you were a cartoonist. What feature of this face would you select to make a distinctive caricature of the whole face? Would it be his nose? Well, it might well be. If it is, exaggerate it in your own mind. Make it a really big nose. If this nose were twice its normal size, you'd never forget it, I'm sure. Let's look at the second picture. Here's a very charming and gracious lady, but just what makes her look that way? What would you select about her face to exaggerate to bring out the characteristic of the entire face? It might be her large teeth. It might be those interesting character lines around the nose. You may even notice that her eyebrows tend to depart from her eyes in a rather startling fashion. Whatever it is, make it vivid by exaggeration in your own mind. Don't worry about what I'm thinking or what somebody else thinks about it. Make it vivid in your own mind. Then look at picture number three. Here's a purposeful looking man. But why is he purposeful looking? It is an intriguing face. A little baggy under the eyes, with chubby cheeks, receding hair. Perhaps that will be the characteristic you'll settle upon. I tend to favor the baggy eyes myself. If you exaggerate those, you'll find that you can make a rather distinctive and interesting picture of them. Incidentally, as you look at the hair, learn to observe hair carefully. After you do that for a few days, you'll find that there's quite a distinctive difference in the way hair looks. You'll make up your own mind as to just how to classify it. Now look at picture four. Here's a man with a wonderful smile. He's literally smiling with his eyes. Those lines around the eyes, reaching back of the eyes, are distinctive, and they go back to a fairly distinctive ear. Now, if those lines are what you've selected as the outstanding characteristic, exaggerate them. Put them under that lens of imagination. Magnify them. This, as you can see, goes rather quickly, so let's go right along to number five. Now, this man has a face with a lot of good visual information on it, but he does have a spot or a cleft or a scar in the middle of his chin. 
this might become the dominant and most prominent thing in your view. He's also slightly puffy under the eyes and has unusual eyebrow structure. Whatever you decide to select, select it and exaggerate it. It's your observation and your imagination which counts in these exercises. Now let's look at picture number six. You've heard the saying, you and your big mouth. Well, here's a man with a big mouth, but he also has a big, heavy nose and black eyebrows, and his chin looks like it was somewhat apron-shaped. Whatever you select about this face, don't forget to exaggerate it before you go on to picture number seven. Number seven is a gentleman with a broad forehead and a broad pompadour, too. Notice that this pompadour goes from ear to ear. Now, there are some characteristics here in the forehead. It is a lined forehead, and this man is wearing glasses. But can you see what kind of a structure his face would have without the glasses? Can you exaggerate some characteristic of this face so that you would remember it if you drew just a cartoon of it? Are you doing it? Go right ahead. I can wait a minute. You have complete freedom of imagination. Use it. Let's look at number eight. I don't think there's any doubt about the large nose being the outstanding characteristic of this man. But there is something interesting besides his nose. He has a pair of character lines on his face, just beside the nose, like two big guy wires holding up his nose. He also has a very large and distinctive ear. It's helpful to remember that the ear has long been used as a means of identification. You can't put a wig on the ear. You can't put a mustache on it. It remains distinctive. Some people have said it's as distinctive as the fingerprint, and it hangs out there where you can see it. As you learn to observe the ears, you will have a tag which will not change, which you can recognize at any time. Have you exaggerated that nose, or the lines, or the ear? Okay, then let's go along to number nine. I just talked to you about ears, but here is a woman whose ears are obscured by her earrings. This is just one of the many hazards that you run into with women. She also has strong character lines. She's smiling, but she may not be smiling the next time. Her eyes are slightly slanted. Her hair is feather cut. It could be cut differently next week. It looks like blonde hair, but knowing blondes, you know that they can change. So don't let it distract you. Look her over carefully. Pick some characteristic which you feel will not change, which you can exaggerate, and which is truly distinctive. Have you done it? All right. Let's go on to number 10. What is it that makes this face different? What is the one distinctive thing about it? One of the things I've noticed is that he has very unusual character lines. They are shaped almost like a pair of calipers, and they come down and entirely surround his mouth. He also has heavy lines in his forehead. He has hair which appears to be coarse and rather stringy, and he's baggy under the eyes, too. Now remember, I'm trying to get you to observe these characteristics and to exaggerate them, perhaps, in a ridiculous fashion. It's been said that people progress slowly for fear of being thought ridiculous. But remember this, you don't have to justify your imagination and your exaggeration of these characteristics to anybody. 
You can use your imagination to file this material away purposefully and profitably. Now let's look at number 11. Here's a man with a long, distinctive head. It's rather square on the upper portion and triangular in the lower part. He has a large nose with a blemish on it. He has some very interesting lines going back from his eyes, puffiness under the eyes, distinctive lines in his cheeks. A lot of good visual information. Yet, in a face like this, you might well settle on just the blemish as the characteristic. It's up to you. You can use anything you want to. But just in your own mind's eye now, take a big black crayon and go over to the wall and draw an exaggeration of that characteristic about three feet high. Have you done it? Just pick up that pencil in your mind and do it. If you actually did it, you'd never forget it. Look at picture number 12. Probably the first thing that strikes you about this man is his mustache. He has bushy eyebrows, too, and a distinctive pattern of hair, what there is of it. Now, I've talked about this, and I've urged you to exaggerate these things, to make a ridiculous picture of them, and to use your imagination. And I'm sure, as I've done this, that from time to time you said, I don't have much imagination. Now, I know that if you watch television, you must have an imagination. Nobody can watch these silly and dramatic commercials without developing in themselves a very great deal of imagination. What I'm trying to do is to show you how to put it to work for you, how to make it make a profit for you in your relations with other people. Now, you observed and met 12 people. In a moment, I'll show you how you can unforgettably associate the name with the face. Before we can do that, I've got to show you how to observe the name. Once you've observed the name, I'll show you how to associate it with the face. This, in a way, is not exactly memory. It's more of what you might call mental filing. You know, if I talk to you about memory, you think of it as something natural, some kind of a gift. But if I talk to you about filing, you think, well, that's a good common-sense business-like practice. Everybody files things. We file letters away. We look at a letter to see who it comes from. Perhaps it comes from Mr. Armstrong. So we put it under A in the files. When you want to find it two years later or find out if you had a letter from Armstrong, you just look under A and out it comes. That's not exactly memory, but it is filing. So let's just see if we can't apply this same principle of mental filing to filing names with faces. How do you observe a name? First, you have to hear it clearly. You have to know what it is. You have to pay close attention. I'm sure you know from your own experience that nine times out of ten you'll hear a name incorrectly. So always have it spelled. That's the first rule. Always have the name spelled so that you can observe it correctly. It might surprise you to know that nobody resents your asking them to spell their name. I used to think that they would until I tried it, and then I found that in asking them to spell their name, I was asking them to display their most treasured possession. They're willing to talk about it at great length. Once you've got it spelled, see if you can make a picture in your mind which will represent that name. For instance, turn back to the cover of the record and look at my picture. Now, my name is Hersey. 
H-E-R-S-E-Y. If you had to make a picture to represent Kersey, what would you do? If you're like most people I've met, you would say Hershey bar. Now look at that picture and see what is the characteristic of my face or head which strikes you as outstanding. Perhaps you've settled on my short white hair. Let's exaggerate that white hair and somehow associate Hershey bar with that white hair. Here's a suggestion. Suppose I actually pulled a Hershey bar out of my pocket and started to rub my white hair with it so that I would get it nice and brown again and perhaps look 10 years younger. I'm sure that if I ever did that right in front of you, you'd never forget it. You'd tell your children and your grandchildren about the craziest man you ever met, the man who combed his hair with a Hershey bar. And your true memory would tell you that it's Hersey, not Hershey, whenever you see that white hair. And as I was saying about the other pictures, you can exaggerate that characteristic, that white hair. You can make it six inches long or six feet long if you want to. This exaggeration focuses your attention upon it. Let's go along with the other names and faces. Observe the names and see how you can associate or how you can file each name away with the face. Let's apply it to our first picture. This man's name is Mr. North, N-O-R-T-H. Can you come up with a picture which will represent North to you? It might be the chubby-faced Mr. North Wind, or it might be a North pointing arrow. I happen to use the arrow myself. I selected his big nose as an outstanding characteristic. I can see a large North pointing arrow right on his big nose, pointing right up into his receding hair. Make it move a little bit and exaggerate it a little bit. Then stop and carry on a conversation using Mr. North's name three times. Now I know that when you meet people, it would sound kind of ridiculous if you said, good morning, Mr. North, I'm glad to meet you, Mr. North. And when you got through, you said, I'm very glad to have met you, Mr. North. It's nice to use the name as much as you can, but you just don't have time to do that. So if you will just pause and carry on a mental conversation with Mr. North, you'll not only be able to say things which are more impressive to yourself than if you were actually speaking out loud, but you won't be sued for libel. You can say, Mr. North, I imagine you with a big North pointing arrow swiveling right on that big nose of yours. You can say a lot of other things that wouldn't be printable. But you can do it here, you can do it quietly, you can do it to yourself, you can make your imagination work for you, work overtime for you if necessary, to cement away the association between the picture that is the name and the picture that is the face. Now let's take a look at the charming lady in number two. Her name is Maderosian, M-A-D-E-R-O-S-I-A-N just like the words Maid, Rose, and Ian. Now, can you make a picture of that? A maid with a little rose embroidered on her cap, or perhaps a big rose? Perhaps you can have her holding a rose in those distinctive teeth, or have a maid's cap on that rather distinctive hairdo of hers, or have her doing a little maiden's dance with a big rose in her teeth. Whatever it may be that appeals to you, is the key feature because the whole test is this. 
will you recognize her and be able to call her by name, no matter what means or pictures you use to make it stick. Now, don't forget to carry on that little conversation with her, using her name two or three times while you're looking at her. Are you doing it? It doesn't take long, does it? Number three is my baggy-eyed friend with a purposeful expression. His name is Robbins, R-O-B-B-I-N-S, and it's pronounced just like the bird, Robbins. A pair of Robbins' nests under his eyes and those little pouches that he is evidently going to carry for quite a while. It looks as if he'd been up quite late. I might carry on a little mental conversation with him and say, Why, Mr. Robbins, I can just imagine a robin's nest in your hair. What baggy eyes you have, my friend. Do you get up with the robins, Mr. Robbins? Something along that line. It is ridiculous, but it works. You can think up a much more interesting conversation, I'm sure. I'm just trying to dig into my own imagination and bring up some ridiculous association so that you will not feel self-conscious in some of the things that you draw out of your imagination. We all have a different background and different imaginations, but we all have the freedom to use the imagination. Lots of people say, I can remember faces, but not names. That's because the face is a picture, and we don't forget pictures easily. I might say that the picture persists. So if you can make a picture of the name and then put that picture in with the picture which is the face, that's all there is to it. It's simple, isn't it? <laughs>